0: All right, good morning. Everybody doing all right this day? How about you guys? You guys doing all right over here, this section? All right, yeah, I like that, I like that. How about you guys over here? You guys doing all right? Okay, like you were second, so you knew it was coming, and you still, like, that's all right. How about you guys, this section, you guys good? Okay, see, like, they get it. Like, it's a competition, you see. How about you guys? Did you... All right. If you put it all together, man, we're all doing really good. Uh, it's good to see you. We are wrapping this series up. Short series, Sunday Best. Last week, we talked about, really, the heart behind evangelism, uh, why it's important that we have a heart for this, and I hope that that resonated with you today. It's going to be very, very practical. But we, we centered it around this wise word in Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 3 says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise wins souls. How many of you guys want to be wise? <laughs> Bless you, baby girl. I love you. <laughs> My wife has the cutest sneeze of any person you've ever met in your life. She loves it. I'm pointing it out right now. Uh, okay, so 17 of you want to be wise. That's good. <laughs> Come on. How many guys want to walk in the wisdom of the Lord? How many guys think it's good to have his wisdom in your life? All right. I like that. Well, uh, We understand that really the reason why it's wise is because when you are interested in winning souls, you're going to be closer to the heart of God. And if you want to find success, you want to be blessed in your life, how many know it's good to stay close to the heart of God? Well, the heart of God, everything that God does, everything that the Holy Spirit is working on, it's always going to be for someone else other than you. It's always going to be for God's glory. And it's always going to be to reach somebody else. He's going to be doing something in you. He'll do it in you, but it ultimately is to draw you closer in relationship with him and make you more effective to reach other people that don't know him yet. So the title of today's message really is just sharing the gospel. Like, how do you do this? Regardless of how you grew up, and we talked about this last week, whether you went to church all the time or you went to church periodically, you probably heard this phrase, Sunday best." And most of the time it referred to making sure that you had your best Sunday clothes on, but also that you put your best Sunday attitude on. Like don't, don't, don't come into church with a bad attitude. Don't come into church if you've had a hard week and be broken. Don't come into church emotional. Don't come into church like something's wrong in a relationship Or in your life, that's what the phrase would be referring to. We talked about, like, man, that just really sets up people to be fake. And ultimately, God's Sunday best, if you want to know what God's Sunday best is going to be in your life, it's going to involve the people that are going to fill the seats that are around you. Like, if you really want to see God's best for your life, it's going to involve you operating in the overflow of relationship with him to where it impacts other people. But how many of you can't stand being around fake people? Anybody in here, it's just hard. I can't stand being around fake people. Like artificial people, they drive me crazy. But the truth is, all of us at one point or another in our lives have probably acted like a counterfeit. In other words, we understood what the real thing was, but we, and we just did our best to try to look like it, but in reality, we weren't. Uh, there's some bad counterfeits out there. I actually found some examples of some bad counterfeits. So let's look at these, these bad counterfeits that people made. Instead of angry birds, it's ill-tempered birds. So, so it's like a little less. They're just a little grumpy, little sassy birds. Okay, here's another one. Face food. So this is a story that sells food, and they just stole the exact same font from Facebook and called it face food. Here's another one. Boreos. Nothing like a jumbo Boreo. Okay. Here's another one. Crust. How many of y'all want to put some crust on your teeth? Come on now. Sounds delicious. Another one. This is my favorite Demon Donkey. Uh, Now, that's what my parents would have thought about My Little Ponies, because there was magic in My Little Ponies, so it's got to be witchcraft and demonic, right? (laughs) Demon donkey. Sweetheart, I got you a demon donkey for your birthday. Oh, my goodness. Or have you ever heard someone that they just seem to be like a pretty normal, cool person, but then they go to pray, and they sound completely different? Like they change their voice. They change everything, like how they talk. They just change everything. I've met some people like that. There's a guy, I met him in Kenya. There's there's like this evangelist. They're all evangelists in Kenya, uh, all the pastors, all the preachers. And so I met this guy, and he was like super soft-spoken and like seemed to be a pretty cool dude. And so we just talked a little bit before we were going to do this service. and, And then when he started to preach, this guy, he sounded like James Brown. He's like, get back. And I'm like, okay. Like he went from just like a normal cool guy. And I'm like, what, what just happened? I think he learned to preach like by watching, there's some weird Christian TV out there, if we can be honest about that. And he, I think he just learned from that, but it wasn't, you could tell it just wasn't real. It wasn't who he really was. All of us do this probably in everyday life. Okay, this happens a lot on social media. It happens on Instagram, you know. Just when you're taking selfies with your homies. Some, some duck lips with the girlfriends, you know. Just the perfect lighting in the workout picture. Or, or the fishing picture with just the right angle. that makes the fish look three times bigger than it actually is. There's lots of examples. We're trying to grow and learn God's heart for people. And the truth is, we're just not perfect. We're not there. But the biggest thing that God would want you to know is he's not looking for perfect Christians to spread his love and his word. And he wants to use you right now for who you are. All of us are in the sanctification process. Some of us may be a little further along than others, but guess what? In comparison to Jesus, we're all a long ways off. But we can't keep a mindset of, well, as soon as I become a better Christian, then I'll be better equipped, or then I'll start to share what God has done for me with other people. God wants to use you now. In Matthew 5.13, it says this, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. No. You guys remember that song? This is the light of mine. I'm gonna. Li-. Okay, we all know that one. Some of you are like, no, I don't. We'll sing it next Sunday, okay? We'll put it in the worship set. A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds. Guys, this is important, too. This says that there's action to this. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So we're familiar with the the light element. Like, that makes sense. Light in a dark place. But sometimes we read the salt part and we're like, like I, most people I met that are salty, I don't like really like being around salty people, you know. But this is really important. If you understand the context of the value of salt, especially in the ancient world, it's pretty amazing. Actually, a lot of Roman soldiers they received their wages in salt. The Greeks considered salt to be of a divine nature, and the Mosaic law required that all offerings that were brought before the Lord contain salt. So when Jesus told his disciples that they were the salt of the earth, they were definitely understanding the metaphor. And even though we don't necessarily see the same value or maybe the same application, this definitely this, this mandate that Jesus gave to his disciples, it definitely still applies to us today. I want to talk a little bit about the characteristics of salt so you can connect to how it relates to you. First, salt adds flavor. Salt adds flavor. How many guys like a lot of salt on your food? Okay. Survey. How many of you put salt on your food before you've tasted it? What's wrong with you? Like, that's just, to me, that's like judgmental. It's like, uh, this is clearly not going to taste good. (laughs) So I'm going to put something on it. Okay. Like, I don't, my wife does that. She'll put salt. She, her family, like, they put salt on some food. Like her mom, I mean, oh my goodness, it doesn't matter. She could have ice cream sitting in front of her. She's like putting salt on it as soon as it comes onto the table. It's just crazy to me. But it adds flavor. Look, it's not our job to change people. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. But I think we can bring some season into people's lives. I think we can just, we can add a little bit of flavor That makes them realize there might be something more that they're missing, that they could have. So in another account, kind of the same verse, but in Mark chapter 9, verse 50, it says, Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. Number two, salt preserves life. Preserves life. So Middle Eastern world, first century, they would use salt to preserve food because they didn't have refrigeration. So the only thing they could keep something for a long time, especially meats, they had to put salt on it to preserve it. Preservation prevents decay, corruption. So if we are the salt of the earth, we're called to prevent decay and corruption. I want you to consider that next time you get on a political post. Like, it's not our job to add to decay. It's our job to prevent decay and corruption. Consider that. Salt heals. It's a disinfectant. It's used to heal wounds. How many of you guys, when your mom would tell you, if you get upper respiratory or sinus infection to, to gargle salt water you got anybody ever do that before yeah my wife tries to get me to do that all the time it's just or the the pot the thing you like you like have to do like a handstand and you pour this stuff into your nasal cavity and it and it and it feels like the inside of your brain is melting out and then it, it works but I'm not into it at all I don't like p- putting salt water in, in my head it's weird Salt changes its environment. Salt has the ability to change its surroundings. That's why we put salt on ice and on the roads and sidewalks. This is the way I like to think about this. God has called you to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Because a thermostat helps set the temperature in a room, right? What does a thermometer do? All it does is read the temperature. I think it's a sad day when Christians get to a place where all they do is sit around and read the environment that's around them, you know. Oh, man, the world sure is scary, man, man. Everything sure is, man. There sure is a lot of sin. Oh my goodness! Before you know it, you'll just isolate yourself. <laughs> anybody ever watched the show Doomsday Prepper? anybody ever watched that show? I watched a little bit of that. It's interesting how many people on there are Christians. Like, they just like, we just got to protect ourselves from the rest of the world. But God's called you to influence the world, to impact the world, to be a thermostat, say, hey, if we don't like, if, if there's something that's off around us, let's go be a positive influence of change in that place. Salt makes you thirsty. What about your life makes you thirsty for the things of God, for other people? Does the way you live invoke intrigue in people? Like, man, what's so different? They're so interesting, unique. Because a lot of people, people should be curious about who we are. People should be curious why we have joy, why we're kind, why we're gracious, why, why we're confident, why we're generous. People should be thirsty to to want more, to know more. Curious how we treat people that are so much different than we are, that think different than we are. Let's make people thirsty. So maybe you care. Maybe I've convinced you, maybe you care about sharing who Christ is in your life. But maybe you just don't know how. So I'm going to give you some tools. First thing is this. How can you share the gospel? Through your words. Sometimes you'll need to use words. I emphasize sometimes. It says in Colossians 4:5, Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Make the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace. As though seasoned with salt, so you will know how you should respond to each person. So, I want to give you just some simple ways. If you just want very pragmatic, practical, step by step ways that you can explain the gospel, here's how you do it. First of all, you have to explain. Somebody has to come to a place where they recognize that they are separated from God, that they're separated from God. Sin has separated all of us from God. And I want to give you some scriptures that you can go to. Get ready to write these down. Romans 3.10. Romans 3.23. Romans 5.12. Romans 6.23. So the bad news, we're separated from God. Look, there can't be good news if there's not bad news. Right? Like what makes good news really good news is is there's bad news. So this is the bad news, that we're all natural born sinners and, and there's an eternal consequence for that sin. The good news is Jesus died for our sins. So that's the second thing you're going to. Like, You look, you, if, they, if, they're, if they're not convinced, like, look, sin is, separates you from God. He's a holy God. Sin separates you. But the good news is Jesus died for our sins. So some scripture for that. Romans 5.8. John 3.16. Hebrews 9.22. 1 Peter 3.18. Acts 4.12. Jesus didn't just die. He did come. He did die. He fulfilled every prophecy. Every prophecy in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled. But Jesus also rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Some scripture for that. Romans 8.34. 1 Corinthians 5, 3 through 8. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3. Am I doing those slow enough? You guys getting those? Okay. Some are like, oh no. We can receive eternal life. Not only did he die, he rose from the dead, but he defeated death. Because he defeated death, it gives us hope for heaven. It gives us eternal life. Romans 10, 9 through 13 talks about that. Some people call it getting saved. Some people call it giving their heart to the Lord, being born again. Accepting Jesus, accepting Christ, it means the same thing. Here's how you receive eternal life. You have to believe in Jesus. Acts 16.31. Confess your belief. Romans 10.9-10. through 10. And then repent of your sins. Acts 3.19. And every week when we do our invitation, and we invite people to accept Jesus, you'll see all these elements. as a part of those prayers, that conversation with God. We don't go to heaven based on being a good person or doing good things. It's only God's grace through his son Jesus that allows us to go to heaven. And it's not our job to save people. It's our responsibility to share the good news with people. That is our responsibility. And one of the ways you do that, this is with your words. Another way is just through your life. Through your life. Live a life that is so contagious that people want to know what you have. Be intriguing, be different. Have you ever met someone that you could just tell just by being around them that they were a believer? you know just by being in their presence i don't know if any of you have ever had somebody just come up to you and say hey are, there's something different about you like are you are you a believer are you are you a christian you just i can tell that there's just something different about you i don't know if that's ever happened to you every single time that we go out that happens to cody it doesn't happen that much to me <laughs> but but it's fun to be around Cody because it happens to her all the time. But I do think it's important, man. There should just be something different. I think if at one point or another, if you've never had anybody even hint towards that, to do some self-evaluation. Like, what's the Holy Spirit doing in your life? How is God moving in your life? And how is your relationship with him? Doing, because I, I know this. It's not because of me. It's just like when I get around God and I spend time with Him, He changes me. He makes me look different than who I normally look like. He makes me. He makes other people want to know what I have. It's a good place to be. Second Corinthians two, fourteen. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are the fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. God. In other words, people are smelling you, man. Like, they are smelling you. They are sniffing you out. Like, and does your life... Look and smell like Jesus. Is it sweet for people to be around you? Does your personality, the way that you act, does it make people want to be around you? Look, not everybody's going to have this nice bubbly personality. I love people that are like that. We, we love them greeting. We love them welcoming people to church. But even if you have more of a reserved personality, I think the way you treat people, the way you act around people, even the way you present yourself around people, man, it can make a big difference. There's people watching us, watching our lives. St. Francis of Assisi said this, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Our actions should speak louder than our words. Right? It's one of the reasons why I do not have a New Life Church sticker on the back of my car. (laughs) I'm still working on that part of my life. Number three, through my intentionality. Jesus intentionally entered our world. He came down to humanity. He came into our mess. He looked for the mess of people's lives. And he was intentional about getting into that mess. I would encourage you to intentionally befriend people who are different than you. Befriend people who are different than you, that think differently than you, that have different political values than you do. Intentionally make friends with people like this. One of the most fascinating things about Jesus was that he was around people all the time that were nothing like him. He was constantly, intentionally befriending people that were different than him and people that were in sin. Jesus would intentionally put himself around people that had sexual sin, that that had addictions, that were religious. He would intentionally put himself around these people, people that, that the rest of society just called him outcast. He was a friend to sinners. He befriended Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. These guys were considered some of the worst sinners around. And Jesus, like, wanted to hang out with him. This guy was an outcast. He was annoying. He was just like a punk. And Jesus like, hey, I I want to spend time with you. I want to hang out with you. Mark 2.17, when Jesus heard this, he told them. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I think it's important that you put yourself around people that are different than you. Don't isolate yourself from people. Don't isolate yourself from the world and people that are different than you. When you meet Christians like this, man, honestly, it, it bugs me. When I meet Christians, all they want to do is hang out with Christians. It bugs me. Uh, a few years ago, we were back in, in Cody's hometown in Helena, Montana, and we were hanging out around a bunch of friends that she had graduated high school with, and a lot of them were not believers. Uh, in fact, where we were meeting was in a bar, and there was a bunch of people, they were just acting like lost people, but there, there was a bunch of people that gathered together together, um, like a reunion. And this girl, I could spot her from across the room. She just looked like this frightened little puppy. Like, and she like beeline for us. And she said, Hey, are, are you guys believers? (laughs) And we're like, yeah. She's like, Oh, praise God. I'm so thankful. I'm not the only one that's here. And then she just wanted to hang out with us the whole time. And we're just like, you are majorly cramping our style right now. Like <laughs> like we're trying to be a good witness to these people. And you are not helping us whatsoever. It, but it was just sad how frightened she was. And uncomfortable she was being around people that were in a different place than she was we can't be like that. One of the reasons why I love going to the gym, I actually don't like going to the gym to work out. I don't really care to work out. The only reason why I work out is so I can eat whatever I want to eat. But one of the reasons why I like going to the gym is I love being around people there that are not like me. Uh, I love love that there's people there that are just rough. And, And here's the thing, like after time, you know, people, might figure out that I'm a pastor, you know, or they, 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 some, from time to time, someone comes up and say, "Hey, I know you talk to a lot of people around here. You. you seem like a really nice guy. Do you mind if I share something with you?" And so I get into a counseling session in the middle of the gym, you know, and 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 I don't I actually don't mind that. There's times I need to get in there and just do a workout and get out, but but I love having these. And I remember this guy he just tells me like his life is falling apart, his marriage is falling apart. He's cussing while he's telling me all this stuff. Just like, it was raw. And I loved it. it, It helped me to lean into him like, man, thank you for sharing this with me. I'm so grateful that people aren't uncomfortable being themselves around me. I think it's important that we put ourselves in places that we get out of a Christian bubble. Most people in the world don't really know who God is. They really don't. They don't understand the story of Jesus. They don't care about our church. Most of them definitely don't care that I'm a pastor. They're just hurting. They don't know how to interpret Christian lingo. Like They don't, they're just like, like, sometimes we talk around people like a foreign language. We don't even use the language that it's just a common everyday language. They've never heard of Hillsong, they don't know what that is. Trust me. I love it that we have people like that in our church. We need to have people like that in our church. The goal is to have even more. Intentionally find common ground with people. Intentionally find common ground with people. Another way to say this find the 1% that you agree with and give it 100% of your effort, which is so completely different than most of the way our culture operates today. Most of our culture, the way it operates, especially Christians, we find the 1% that we disagree with and give 100% of our effort towards that. What I'm saying is find something that you can relate to in their life and pour into that. Give some effort towards that in their life. Enter their world so that you can win them over. Intentionally add value to people. Add value to people people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care that's a john maxwellism but it's so true it's so true too often if you do finally muster the strength or the energy or the courage to say something to someone you're coming with your agenda what you want to do and what you want to say and you are assuming that that must be god's agenda but really, God just wants you to love on people, and win influence with people, and show that you genuinely care about them. And by the way, this takes some time. From every once in a while, somebody will just be in a spot where they'll be willing to open up to you, be willing to hear what you have to say. But most of the time, it's going to take you investing. It's going to take you showing over time who you are, being kind, adding value to people. Make their lives better. Pray for them. Every once in a while, when you find out about something that's happening in someone's life, instead of just saying, hey, praying for you, stop right there and pray for them. Even people that aren't believers, I find they're really open to to receiving prayer. I find people that don't even, that would say that they're agnostic or an atheist, I find that most of the time say, hey, do you mind if I just pray for you about this situation that's going on, this hard time, this loss, whatever it is? Man, I find most of the time they're open to that. And I think it's a great way that you demonstrate, like, I care. I care about you. Also, through your church. your church. Hey, by the way, one of the ways that I'm intentional in this last point, one of the ways I'm intentional is I, I like going back to the same places. So I go to the same coffee shops. I go to the same restaurants. Because as I'm there, people get to know me there. And as they get to know me, I can build a relationship and I find eventually, they, they a lot of times they open up to me about something that's happening in their life. And I love it. I, I love it when baristas at coffee shops I'm going to wind up coming to church. I love being in that world. It's the reason why I don't hang out here that much. I want to be where people need to be loved and cared for and encouraged. But another way is through our church. Look, we design our church so you can bring your friends here and we won't embarrass them. I don't know about you. I didn't grow up in a lot of churches like that. Well, there's a lot of churches I went to. Like before, I would invite somebody. I had to like explain to them what was going to happen. It's like once you come to my church, but this is what's going to happen, okay? And there, there is gonna, there's gonna be this lady there, and she's kind of weird, and she plays the tambourine, and and she does that, and then another. Depending on what church, because I was a church nut, so I went to anywhere from Missionary Baptist to the most charismatic churches you can imagine. So I, I, I hated that. I always had to explain like. Not, There are cool people there, I promise. But you are going to see some of this stuff going on. Like, I'm just. We want to have a church where people don't feel like they're way out of place. Like they can never belong here. So this week we have Easter. We got five services. Five services. <laughs> Somebody's excited about that. Come on now. I hope that person's on the serve teams because we need some excited people on the serve teams. It's, it's going to be a lot, guys. This is a lot of work. Why are we doing it? Because people are more open. They're more open during Easter. So we have an opportunity. The people that have never come into our church or maybe not for a long time, people that have never heard this message, are going to hear it for the first time. Time. Here's the deal. Some of y'all would never want to stand on stage and do what I'm doing right now. That freaks you out. And honestly, we wouldn't let some of you do it. (laughs) We'll do everything we can do. Will you please do everything you can do to get somebody here, to invite someone? You'd be amazed at how open people are to come to church if if somebody just cared enough to invite them personally. People are really open to that. Look, on on these services, if if you're thinking about them from the standpoint of of reaching lost people, okay. most people are probably going to come to these services on Sunday morning because that's what's normal to them. So I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to get outside of your comfort zone. And I'm going to ask you, don't come to this service unless you're bringing someone to this service. Because these services are going to be really crowded on Sunday. (laughs) What may even be even better is, if you know that you're bringing a friend that doesn't want to be around big crowds, bring them Friday night. Bring them to a Saturday night service. But I want you to consider for Easter, consider the other people that we're trying to get here. Not just you enjoying Easter with your family. Because here's the truth. Your family will infinitely enjoy Easter more if you actually do what the heart of our church is about. And that's the people who aren't here yet. You will enjoy Easter more than you've enjoyed Easter ever before in your life if you'll do what we're talking about today. It'll change your life. It'll wreck you in a good way. So I'd encourage you to do that. Luke 14.23 says this, Then the Master told his servants, Go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house Will be filled, full. Compel them. The church is a good place to evangelize people. Just do your part, please. And the last way is through my story. Look, one of the most powerful ways that you can minister to someone is just by sharing what God has done in you. In your own way, in your own words. Like, what has God done in your life? Acts 1.8 says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is a witness though? What is a witness? Well, it's not a salesman. It's not a lawyer. It's someone that simply gives their account. It's just... This is what it was like for me. This is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced. But I promise you this, when you share what God has done in you, especially when you can be honest about the struggles you've had, what it was like for you when you've been away from God, what it was like for you when you went through a painful season, but God showed up. And when you talk about struggles, when you talk about pain, but you tell them about what God did with it, man, that will resonate in people. The world is desperate for genuine and authentic people that aren't acting like they have it all together, that are willing to say that they're messed up. And the truth is, really what you're sharing is a testimony. And this is different. A testimony is different than a story. Because the testimony talks about the goodness of God in spite of your story. And here's the thing, there's so many people that have a story right now, but they they don't have a testimony yet. And what we have as a responsibility, as an opportunity in our everyday, day-to-day lives, or we're walking through Walmart, or we're at a restaurant, or we're at the gym, or wherever we may be, We have an opportunity to share our story with our, but God did this. And I promise you that changes people's lives. So even if you don't know scripture, even if you don't know all the right, if you can just share what God did for you, like this is what God has done for me. This is what it's meant for me. I promise you that can change people's lives close your eyes bow our heads I know that there are some of you here right now and you're you're actually at that crossroads you're at that place well right now you have a story but you haven't given your story over to God I would love for you to be able to walk out of this place and see your story as your testimony as it has encountered the grace of God, as it's encountered a Savior, Jesus. As you encounter your Heavenly Father that loves you more than you could ever fathom, that has a plan for your life and a purpose for your life. If you're here today and you just know you're away from God for whatever reason, You feel distant from him. Maybe you just haven't sensed his presence in a long time and you know you need to come back to him. You need to rededicate your life to him. Well, if you're in either one of those places, I promise you this, he's waiting for you and he loves you. He's not ashamed of you. It doesn't matter what you've done. He loves you. He's ready to forgive you. He's ready to save you from your sin, but he's ready to give you life and life to the full. If you're here today and you've never surrendered to that relationship, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you just need to come back to him. You need to get right with him today. Any person in this room, I want to pray with you if you're in that spot. and No one's going to be looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to ask you, would you be bold enough just to confess that that's you? If that's you, put your hand up. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Got it, bro. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you guys for being so bold. Yes, sir. Bless you, man. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus today. I'm away from him. I'm ready for my story to have a testimony. Anybody else? God's moving. Christians, you guys pray hard during this. This is the most important decision that any of these people could ever make. Anybody else? Okay. Okay, I just feel like I'm, I, I don't want to move too fast. Somebody's like really conflicted right now. And you may be conflicted. It may just be, honestly, it may just be pride. Um, it may be that you've always called yourself a Christian. It may be that you've told other people that you're a Christian. But if you're really honest in your heart right now, you know you're away from God. And so you're conflicted. And listen, you can make the decision in your heart. But I, I believe that, man, it, it could really help you. And I believe that you can experience some grace from God and some peace from him that you haven't experienced if you'd be willing to confess it. So is there anyone else? You're just in that place. And you need him. Yes. Thank you. Thank you got it. Praise God. Praise God. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Every person, raise your hand. Let's just talk to God. You need to go public with this decision at some point. You need to tell people about it. I'd encourage you to go through water baptism. I got you. Yes, ma'am. But right there, just talk to God. I want you just to be honest with him. In your own words, with something like this, just say, God, thank you for this moment right now. And I don't understand how you could love me the way you love me, because I I don't feel like I deserve it. But right now, I believe. I believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. And I want to stop, and I want to turn away from living the way I've been living. Anything that's in me that is that is contrary to your will, to your word. God, help me to see those things and help me to see the way you would want me to live, who you've created me to be. Thank you so much for saving me from my sin, but also thank you for giving me purpose, and I want to walk in that purpose. Help me to understand it. God, help me to be connected to to other people that believe the way I believe so I can grow and be encouraged and be challenged in my faith. Thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for every person that said that prayer. All of heaven rejoices now. We're so thankful for your faithfulness and your goodness. God, help us to be a church that is effective and passionate and convicted to share our faith. To do whatever we can, God, to reach someone else that doesn't know you, to encourage someone, to let someone know that they're loved and cared about by a heavenly father. Thank you, God, for that mandate. Thank you for that responsibility. Thank you for the fullness and the wholeness that comes from living in it. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give God some praise in this place.